that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And then, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks from now, uh, I'm going to give part two. So it's going to be a two-parter, and we wanted to do it in conjunction with uh, the course that we're going to be taking. And today, uh, hopefully, will serve as sort of an introduction uh, to the course. And many of you have signed up to take the course, and if you have not, uh, hopefully, uh, as you listen uh, and go through this sermon today, uh, perhaps it will motivate you uh, to sign up and go through the course with us. I think it's a very, very important thing. Discipleship is a very important thing to this church. We are, above all else, disciples. We are disciples of Jesus. A disciple is simply someone who is a student, someone who is a learner, a follower, someone who has given their life uh, to Jesus and has made the, the intent determination to be like him. And so Luke 6 verse 40 says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So Jesus is our teacher, and our desire should be that we are fully trained. We are fully trained so that we will be like him. So if you're going to be fully trained in something, then at, at some point, obviously, you, you, you got to get started. you got to have a plan. How are you going to be fully trained? And that's one of the things that we want to do as a church is to help everyone who has the desire to be Christ-like to have some tools, to have a plan, to have something where you can train in order to be like Jesus. And so that's really what the point of this course is. We're going to go through eight weeks, and we're going to learn about how we can better follow Jesus, especially in this specific area of our life, our emotions. I truly feel like that studying emotions is important. Because oftentimes, I think the church has neglected this area, this part of our humanity. In fact, uh, sometimes you might think that churches want you to just lay your emotions at the door when you walk in, leave them at the door, and we just don't want to talk about that. We don't want to deal with that. But we are emotional beings, and our emotions affect our lives we all have emotions and sometimes we struggle with certain emotions and the emotions that we do struggle with often become negative emotions and those negative emotions usually have a negative impact on the people who are around us if we are in an unhealthy or dysfunctional emotional state, then it's going to adversely affect all of our relationships, including 
our relationship with God. People who are in an unhealthy emotional place or people who allow their emotions to be affected by sin and allow sinful emotions to control them, to control their behaviors, they find out that life gets really difficult. I've told people before in counseling, after listening, listening to people talk about how they fight all the time. I've said, life doesn't have to be this hard. God did not call us to live in our homes like a Jerry Springer show, if you're old enough to know what that is. That's not the intent. That's not following Christ. And many times in churches, what happens is that people even excel in some facets of their person, in their growth, their spiritual growth and maturity. For example, there are some people that, uh, some of you know what I'm talking about, there are some people that meet certain criteria of what it means to be faithful, you know? They're faithful. And yet, sometimes some of the faithful have really bad tempers. Sometimes some of the faithful are extremely impatient, are verbally abusive, and sometimes emotionally abusive to those around them. Calling yourself a Christian does not mean that you are necessarily very much like Jesus. The word Christian, I think, is watered down in our society. And so let's think about becoming a disciple of Jesus, one who follows Christ, one who lives their life as Jesus lived his life, and one who relates to people and circumstances and situations in healthy ways, just like Jesus did. That's the objective, and that's what we hope to help jumpstart our church uh, beginning this Tuesday night in this series of studies. If, and look, I don't know what each person is struggling with in this room. You know what you're struggling with. Maybe your spouse knows what you're struggling with. Maybe you know what your spouse is struggling with. Your children know. You may not think they do, but they do. And so whatever it is that you're struggling with in controlling your emotions, in allowing your emotions to adversely affect your relationships with people and with God, once you consider seriously 
coming to this course, going through the course, and let's just see if perhaps maybe it can help get you on track and jumpstart you to being a healthy emotional disciple. Okay? So, that being said, I want to point out that emotions are natural, instinctive states of the mind and body. Now, I don't want to go into a lot of tedious uh, detail about what that means. If you want to talk with me about that later, I'd be more than happy. But our bodies and our minds change states depending on our circumstances, depending on the people around us, depending on situations. Whenever things happen in the world that we live in, those things have an effect and sometimes a cumulative effect over time so that our brains actually develop pathways. The neurons and chemical reactions of our brain to the stimuli that we live with elicit emotional responses. And our emotional responses can be healthy and good, or they can be unhealthy and bad. They can be sinful because we live in a fallen, broken world. And sin affects pretty much every part of our being in some way or another. And sin affects our emotions. God is an emotional being. God is a personal, emotional being who created us to be emotional, personal beings. That's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. Now, when sin entered the world, when the fall, as we call it, took place, sin corrupted the image. The image of God in us has been tainted. It has been corrupted. It has been perverted by sin. And so in any part of our life, any area of our person, when sin takes over, when sin takes control, we need a power, a help from beyond ourselves to get back on course. And that's what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that's what Christianity is about. It is about overcoming the effects of sin in the world. And that is what God is doing. And that's what we need to pursue. And in order to do that, we need to come to the place where we can admit our emotional struggles. Do you have an anger problem? What do you do? What do I do? What do we do when things don't go our way? What happens that causes us to be frustrated 
to get in what we might call a bad mood. We talk about people and their personalities. We talk about the way that people handle things, the way that people deal with crisis or tragedy or just problems. Maybe you're working on something that, you know, your, your wife uh, asks you to do something and you really don't want to do it, but you think, oh, I can knock this out in 15 minutes, so I'll go ahead and do it. And so you're not in the best of moods because you've been interrupted and now you have to do something that you hadn't planned on doing, something that you don't even like to do. You know, for example, you can be going about your business and all of a sudden you receive information that you didn't know. The toilet is stopped up. I hate that one. It affects me. And so... I know what that means. I'm fixing to go into the bathroom, not because I got to go. And there's something about just picking up the plunger. When's the last, you know, not even go there. But that's kind of where I go. And so you do what you got to do. You go in there, and you hold your nose, and you do what you got to do. It's probably better to plunge with two hands, but a lot of times I just got to do it with one, you know. So, stuff happens. The car breaks down. How do you handle when the car breaks down? How do you handle when you burn the cookies? How do you handle life? Stuff happens, things go wrong, we get disappointed, we get frustrated. Why are we frustrated? Why does that, whatever that is, disappoint us? And a lot of times we never go there, we never even think about it, we don't pursue that, we don't stop and consider our emotions. In fact, some people seem to have difficulty even expressing their emotions. I wish I had a dollar for every time I ask somebody how they're doing, and they're fine. <laughs> there was one guy in Louisiana, Luke knows who I'm talking about. You'd reach out to shake hands, and before you could ask him how he's doing, he would say, fine, fine. You know, I mean, really? Are you fine, fine every day? No, probably not. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to go there. I'm fine. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm fine. I'm not going to talk to you for three days, but I'm fine. And that's the kind of thing that happens. And then if we're honest and we look at that, take a, just Back off from yourself a little bit and look at yourself and see how do you act? How do you treat people? Where's this yelling and screaming come from? What is that? 
Can you in your wildest dreams imagine Jesus yelling and screaming and berating somebody? No. No, no, no. And what makes us think that's okay? What makes you think it's fine to fight all the time? To pout? To throw things? To give the silent treatment? To slam the door? What makes you think that's okay? It's not. It's not okay. And that's why we need help with our emotions. We need a biblical understanding of what to do when we feel the way we feel. That's what part two is going to be about. Part two is going to be the practical, the pragmatic, the way that God can work in us and the things that we can literally do that will help us deal with our emotions. So here in two or three weeks when we talk about that, we will have a lot of information and a lot of tools to help us know how to deal with our emotions. Here's some words associated with emotion frequently. You can get anywhere from three to ten, but almost all psychologists, people that study people, will tell you there are families of emotions. There are basic emotions. There are primary emotions. Uh, it's interesting to read about anger because half the people say it's a primary emotion. Half the people say it's a secondary emotion. I don't think people know quite what it is. But anyway, there are lots of emotions, and then there are feelings, and feelings aren't necessarily emotions. Emotions are feelings. You feel when you have an emotion, but they're different. And the biggest difference is that many times emotions can be conscious or unconscious. Something can happen... I mean, you can walk and turn around the corner and boom, there's a six-foot rattlesnake right there coiled up, ready to strike at you. You don't have time to think about that. But I guarantee you, you get emotional and your body has an immediate, instinctive, emotional response. The body is always affected by emotions. Always. We talk about body language, right? Body language. Can you look at someone and tell they're mad? <laughs> yeah. Can you look at someone and see that they're sad? A lot of times, yes. Can you look at, one, at someone and see that they are frustrated? Can you look at someone and see kind of where they're at? Yeah, because emotions always have an effect on us. They affect our bodies and they affect our minds. Now, feelings are more when you have an emotion and your brain then takes the time to process what has happened and then you develop thoughts about that. And once you develop thoughts about that emotion, 
then those thoughts turn into feelings. Those thoughts will cause you to feel a certain way. You may have possibly come in this morning and kind of walked towards a friend and they just seemed to didn't notice you and so you just kind of looked at them and walked on by and you might have instinctively had an emotion. But then you went and sat down and you began to think about it. Well, I wonder why they did that. Are they mad? Is somebody, is Galen mad at me? Well, you know, I think I disappointed her the other day when you know, and so in your mind, your mind just takes off and it starts racing and right, and then you start believing these things and you repeat them over and over in your mind. And then I get to the Galen's mad at me. Galen is mad at me, and that affects me. That upsets me. I get emotional about that. I have all of these feelings, and it affects my behavior. The next time I see her. Instead of walking up to her and speaking to her, I avoid her. I go the other way. You see, it affects relationships. It affects people. It changes things around us. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. In this case, in a bad way. It's not helping our relationship, Gaylene, for me to believe all these lies and all of these tales that I've made up in my mind that you're so mad at me. You see what happens? That kind of thing can happen. And so, emotions provide information about relationships between the person, other persons, situations, environments. Emotions generate value. What you do, whether or not you realize it, instinctively, naturally, when you have an emotion, you begin to process and you begin to value things. You begin to come up with choices, with options. And you usually pick something based on the evaluation that's going on in your head. And then it produces an action, a response. They can be positive or negative. They can adversely be affected by sin. We've already talked about all that. All right. It's important for us to... Be emotionally healthy. How can I become an emotionally healthy person? Dallas Willard said one time, emotions make wonderful servants but horrible masters. Unwise decisions, hurtful behavior, sin, addictions, they're all compulsions to act out on how we feel or what has happened to us. Jesus was an emotionally healthy person. And we cannot be like Jesus if we decide to remain an emotionally immature person. You cannot be like Jesus if you have the attitude, oh, no, no, nothing wrong with me. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think, I don't want to go there. Leave me alone. That is not healthy. It's not it's not going to help anything. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help your relationships. It's certainly not going to help your relationship with the Lord. 
Emotional health determines our spiritual, relational well-being with God and those around us. Jesus had emotions. The Bible says in Isaiah, he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus loves. Jesus had joy. Jesus showed compassion. Jesus experienced grief. Jesus showed frustration. He showed anger. Jesus was sorrowful. Jesus even felt a sense of abandonment at times. If you look at Jesus' teachings, a lot of his teachings deal with emotions and our emotional state. For example, the Sermon on the Mount. Remember what we call the Beatitudes, those who are the truly blessed ones. If you look at the Beatitudes and you study them carefully, you'll find what Jesus is doing is he's dealing with emotions. When you continue and look at the subheadings in your Bible in the Sermon on the Mount there, remember he, he talks about anger. Don't even be angry with your brother. Jesus talks about anger. And he tells us what to do about it. What does he say in that passage? You're upset. Okay, you're angry at somebody. What do you do? Go to them. Go to them. If you cannot go to the person you're angry with and talk to them in an adult way, in a healthy way, then you are not an emotionally healthy person. Avoidance is not emotional health. And that's what people typically do. When they get upset, they do one of two things. They fight or flee. In some form or another, they fight or they flee. How about you? Which do you do? Are you a fighter or a fleer? When you fight, how do you fight? When you flee, when you leave or avoid how do you do that it's important to have a self-awareness it's important to understand ourselves and realize who i am because unless we come to grips with who we really are we're not going to change to be like jesus we're not even going to be aware of the changes that need to take place in us all of these things Jesus dealt with on the Sermon on the Mount, and every one of them deal with relationships, and they deal with emotions. Jesus has some things to say about discipleship in Luke 14. Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then in verse 33, so therefore any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Wow. We might want to spend a little time in Luke 14. Three times here, Jesus said, can't be my disciple. If you put others before him, if we don't take up our cross, in other words, die to self, 
So we can allow ourselves to keep us from being a disciple. We can allow other people to keep us from following Jesus. And we can allow material things to keep us from following Jesus. Self, others, and stuff, things, can all get in the way and keep you from being a disciple of Jesus. So, I want you to think about Jesus on the cross. Here's your homework. Sometime this week, try to get some quiet time and read the passages all the way from the Lord's Supper, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, all the way through to his crucifixion. And why don't you try to write down every emotion that you think Jesus experienced, based, number one, on the text, and then secondly, maybe read between the lines a little bit, and use your imagination and ask yourself, I wonder how Jesus may have felt when that happened. So just do that. A lot of emotions, a lot of emotions that Jesus dealt with in that time of his life. Then... I want you to consider the fact that all during this time we read Jesus praying. Hebrews 12, 2 talks about the joy that he had during this time. He clearly trusted the Father. He showed submission to the Father's will. Not my will, but your will be done. He showed grace to those around him. Forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He had compassion. Remember the story of the thief on the cross? Remember his conversation with John about his mother? And he showed love. There's a healthy, emotional person. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come on up, praise team. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and lowly you see when you come to Jesus you can find peace you can find rest and all the emotional turmoil the emotional chaos being led by your emotions and controlled by your emotions 
and all the damage and harm that it has done to you and your relationships and in the ways that it has kept you from God, Jesus is giving you an invitation here. This is an invitation from the most emotionally healthy person that ever walked on this earth. And he is reaching out to you, his arms are open to you, and he's calling you, come to me, come to me. I don't know the emotional state that you're in. I don't know the emotional struggles that you're dealing with, but Jesus does, and he has been through it all. And so this morning, if you're ready to answer the invitation of Jesus to come to him and find rest and find peace, won't you just step forward while we stand and sing this song and there will be folks to come up here to pray with you.